0: This is Father Aaron with another podcast. Saint John Henry Newman and Saint Augustine help us this week to see that becoming holy requires us to fall in love with God. And that loving God starts with prayer, personal prayer, where our heart speaks to God and God to us. collect of today's Mass. Almighty ever-living God, increase our faith, hope, and charity, and make us love what you command so that we may merit what you promise. Two weeks ago, Pope Francis canonized five new saints, as some of you may have heard. Among them is perhaps most notably John Henry Cardinal Newman. Newman was born in London in 1801. He was originally ordained an Anglican priest, but later converted, was ordained a Catholic priest, and eventually raised to the level of a cardinal. His writings were particularly appreciated by Pope St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI, and are finding new life now in the hands of young people. And while it's impossible to summarize them all, there are so many of them, what I want to draw out from them is the example he gives in his motto that he chose as a cardinal. Cor ad cor loquitur. Heart speaks unto heart. I've been giving a lot of consideration lately in prayer to the dialogue of love between God and the Christian soul. Last week I offered Masses and preached at the cathedral in Lafayette, Louisiana. When I preached there, I raised the point that overcoming our sinful habits and growing in true faith starts with a real desire to grow in holiness. It's a topic I return to often because I don't think we can say it enough. We can only be Christian if we are willing to be serious Christians, and serious about our faith. Cor ad cor loquitur. Heart speaks unto heart. In many ways, the desires of our heart dictate much of our lives. As an infant, our desire is for those things that sustain our life, for food, milk, affection. Later, we desire the things around us, the toys of our siblings, or our friends. Eventually, as we mature, we desire the love of another, fan, friends, of family, spouses, and the things we set our heart upon become the focus of our lives, for better or for worse. And so it makes sense to say that if we desire God, if we desire holiness, then we will set our hearts upon that. In the same way, if we desire to overcome sin, really desire it, not just fear the repercussions of sins, then we set our hearts, our focus upon overcoming our sins. And so let's return to the collect for today's Mass. Almighty ever-living God, increase our faith, hope, and charity, and make us love what you command, so that we may merit what you promise. Loving what God commands is essential to the Christian life, but it's not something that we in our fallen state can do naturally. We love what we command. And so we have to put in extra effort to change our hearts and tune them to the love of God. About this, St. Augustine writes, It is not enough to be drawn by the will. You are also drawn by the sense of pleasure. What is it to be drawn by pleasure? Everyone is drawn by his own pleasure, not by necessity, but by pleasure. Not by obligation, but by delight. How much more boldly ought we say that man is drawn to Christ when he delights with the truth, delights with bliss, delights with justice, delights with eternal life, all of which is Christ?" We can't just will ourselves into loving God, any more than we can will ourselves to love the person next to us. I've mentioned before that even when we sin, we are seeking what appears to us to be an apparent good. We see the sinful thing as good to us, or we wouldn't do it. Of course, our perception of good is impaired, but we seek the perceived good nonetheless. The heart desires good things by nature and distrust any obligation. That's why you're less likely to show up at church on Sunday because I tell you it's an obligation than you are if you truly want to be there. The heart seeks after the good it desires. On Wednesday, I mentioned to our confirmation students that our common perception of heaven is greatly dependent on a very un-Catholic and irrational understanding of heaven. The common and popular description of heaven is it's that place where you can go and eat ice cream all day and see your grandma again an endless feast, or a perfect game of golf without end. And those things might be nice to imagine, but they really aren't heaven. They are worldly things, and a seemingly perfect mold. And in the end, they aren't really enough to make us truly desire them. They are outlandish and seem to us like nice ideas in our minds, but not something worth real effort or sacrifice, and so ultimately they harm us. Notice that in that list I didn't mention anything about God or Jesus or the saints, because when people think of heaven... Most of the time, they think of the world and everything in it that they like. And that, of course, leaves out God. But God is perfect love, perfect beauty, perfect happiness. He is the perfection of all desire. He is the source of the love that we have for earthly things, the source of the undying love that we have for our family, for instance, or our friends. His love is greater than all of those things, more beautiful than any created reality we have or will ever experience in this earth. The joy of his presence is impossible to comprehend because it is infinite. And that is the experience of heaven, the eternal enjoyment of God's loving and beautiful presence without restriction. No earthly pleasure can compare with that. And that is something to set the heart upon. The heart is drawn by the sense of pleasure, as St. Augustine teaches, and so we must take time to contemplate the delight that the soul will have before the presence of God. We have to meditate and consider the beauty and the awesome presence of a loving God who is also Father. That is the race which St. Paul considers in his second letter to Timothy. He has been racing through the pleasures of the world, seeking true life and joy, and finds it in Christ. And now, as an old man, Paul writes to Timothy in an elated state, I have competed well, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on, the crown of righteousness awaits me. These are not the words of a man who fears death, but whose heart longs for what is awaiting him. And so in the meantime, we have to condition our own hearts to love the things of God, to desire eternal union with him in heaven. Cor ad cor loquitor, heart speaks unto heart. Christ wishes to speak personally to each of our hearts, and so doing implant the desire within us to meet him. But that only happens in the silence of personal prayer. The Pharisee in today's gospel did all the public things he's supposed to do, right? He gives alms, he fasts, he attends the services at the temple, but he does not go away justified. Rather, it's the sinner who approached the temple aware of his own weakness and in the silence of his heart cried out to God, be merciful to me, a sinner. In the same way, simply coming to church on Sunday will not make us love God. We have to desire to love him. G.K. Chetterson summarizes this in a pithy line. He says, just going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in your garage makes you a car. True love comes through dialogue, through getting to know the other. Sometimes we talk about love at first sight, but really when we say that, we're speaking of attraction, right? Some couples are attracted to one another at first glance, but love comes when they know each other, when they know them not as an attractive individual, but as a person. In a similar way, prayer is the only way we can come to truly love God, since in prayer we open our heart intimately to him, and he to us, cor ad cor loquitur, heart speaking to heart. Thanks for listening in today. If you like what you hear, please go on iTunes and leave a good rating. Also, tell your friends and family about it, and visit the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations website to find more great content, jacksonpriest.com. That's jacksonpriest with an S dot com. God bless.